Psalm 51, which there are great messages to be drawn from Psalm 51. Uh, let me read these 19 verses and then uh, I'll tell you which one I'm going to locate in because there is just so much. <coughs> Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me. I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. <coughs> Pardon me. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart, O Lord, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure at the Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and with and whole burnt offering. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. There's an awful lot in this psalm. I say that a lot, don't I? But it's true. But for this afternoon, I want us to think about the first verse. Have mercy. You ever hear people say, have mercy? Growing up on the West Coast, I can't say I heard a lot of people use that expression. And then I went to Louisiana. And I heard, have mercy. I came up to Tennessee, and I heard, have mercy. And roundabout way wound up back in Tennessee. And I still heard, have mercy. And I come to Arkansas. I hear, have mercy. <clears throat> I told some of you I spent some time as a renter with a man who caught a big fish. <clears throat> Many other recordings of Jimmy Rogers. And between his yodels and T for Texas and all that, he would insert have mercy have mercy <laughs> heard that a lot but it wasn't just filler for David he opens this psalm with have mercy that's the cry of David's heart because when we see ourselves in God's perspective in view of the fact we have to agree with Isaiah who said I am a man of unclean lips. And you know what? I live among a people of unclean lips. 
when you just look at yourself and other folks, you might look pretty good, but in the light of God's Word, in the light of God's holiness, we leave a lot to be desired, don't we? I'm satisfied she's with the Lord now, but a lady who um, <clears throat> took a shine to our second daughter, Mary, Abigail's mother, had her in the office one day, and, you know, these lights take four bulbs, but that office only had two, and they weren't up to date, and so it was almost like being in a bat cave when they went in there. Maxine said, can you get some more bulbs? Sure. Put them in. And she says, now I can see the dirt. That's the problem. If I look at you and you look at me, we're all pretty good folks. Mm -hmm. In the light of the holiness of God, we got a lot of room. The biggest room in our homes, it's not our den, it's not our living room, it's our room for improvement. You know that's so. Have mercy is not something we ought to be flip about. In Scripture, more often than you might believe, it is commanded. It is demanded. People think that they can go to God and we ought to beg for mercy. You can't demand. Because mercy is not something that you automatically have coming to you. It's not free for the asking. We need to know that. Now you hear it a lot. People will be gathered for a funeral and you'll hear the minister say, may God have mercy on his soul. That sounds biblical, but I've yet to find it worded exactly like that. I can find wording kind of, sort of like that in the psalm. I look in the Gospel of Luke, but it tells us that the publican beat upon his chest and he said, Lord, be merciful to me a sinner. That's the sort of prayer that God hears. Amen. Not the, you know, God, you and I got a good deal going on. Just let's just formalize the whole thing. Like it's as easy as falling off a log. And it used to be people agonized over their sins. It disturbed them that they'd offended a holy God. David said in the fourth verse, against thee and the only life sin. If you think about it, who had David sinned against? Well, he lusted after Bathsheba. And he got his servants to get her to the palace. And he did wickedly by her. Did wickedly by her husband, Uriah. And in order to cover up his sin, you know what he did? He told Uriah's superior. Send the men into the battle. I know Uriah, he's a hot shot. He'll go wherever you tell him to go. You tell him to get out there in the front. And once he's out there, you tell everybody else to back off. You won't have to raise a thing against him. We'll let the enemy take care of that. And then when the grieving widow, Bathsheba, comes to the king and she says, I need to tell you something. I'm, I'm carrying a child. Oh, really? Heard about your husband. That's, that's really a shame. Well, uh, I'm carrying a child. Tell you what I'll do. I'll marry you and that way the child will have a daddy. And you won't be ashamed. And in the back of his mind, he's probably thinking, you dog, you're going to get off of this thing scot-free. So, he sinned against Bathsheba. He sinned before his servants. He sinned to this man. Can you imagine when the general gets this order from David, I'll do this with Uriah and uh, just keep this between us. The general knew this king, he's He's not such a good leader. Now sometimes men who aren't men of character get in a high power. 
And we see that even in our day. Sometimes we just have to spend a lot of it biting our tongue, don't we? So it goes. And David might have thought he was getting away with something, but bad as he had done Bathsheba, bad as he had done Uriah, bad as he had done the general, badly as he had done all of his servants. Because you know people talk. You know, uh, there's his TV series, Downton Abbey. And people think about what goes on with the big shots. But then on this TV show, you can see how the servants talk. And they're not sharper than some people want to make out. But who would David really sinned against? Compared to the offense against God, everybody else was as nothing. And so he said, against thee, the only of I sin. Because when you see it, you might say, I told Johnny a lie. I was kind of snarky with Susie over there. Not, not this Susie, of course. <laughs> By the way, I think you got a goodie from your secret ballot there. Did you know them? I might forget some things, but I'm nosy anyway. I take that time to look. Oh, who's that one? Oh, okay. All right. But uh, badly as I might do you, and badly as you might do me, when you sin, your sin is first and foremost against God. I, I, I'm nothing. I'm just a pile of ash, you know. But God is the one you need to be concerned about when you sin. He says, have mercy. What is mercy? Well, we talk about mercy, we talk about grace. They're similar. But they're not the same thing. See, grace is some good thing that you receive that you did not deserve. We're saved by grace. None of us deserve to be saved. None of us are going to strut around heaven and say, <laughs> you know, I worked hard to get here. This is what is coming to me. No, it's by grace for all of us. Mercy is the flip side. Mercy is when you don't get the penalty, the condemnation that you got coming to you. And we knew coming up if one of us boys messed up big time, uh, Dad was going to get to the bottom of things. And if we didn't get a paddling or whatever, well, that's called mercy. Have mercy, he cries out. Four things I want you to think about real quick. First of all, who is it that has mercy? And then, how ought we to have mercy? And show it. When ought we to have and show mercy? And why? Because what are you talking about? What's that got to do with me? Well, we search the scripture. And it's an interesting thing. Sometimes people do us wrong. Sometimes we do other people wrong. And we sometimes focus on the immediate. Let me tell you something about the Lord. With his precious people, he might let you stew. But he won't let you spoil. And that's, that's a lesson in that too. When we talk about things... We talk about the objective. That's the is. The way things are. And we also talk about the normative. That's the ought. How things ought to be. Well, God has mercy. That is bound up in Him. I've got in my notes lots of passages just in the Psalms which speak of the sweet singer of Israel talking about, Lord, You're a God of mercy. We rejoice in Him. He's a merciful God. That's one of his calling cards. Some would say, look up a hashtag mercy and you'll find the Lord. One of the so-called minor prophets, not because he does or, but because what he wrote is shorter than what others wrote. Micah chapter 7, 
and verse 18. Who is the God like unto thee? He's a holy God. He's a powerful God. He's a wise God. He's a creative God. But that's not emphasized in this verse. It's all true, but this verse doesn't emphasize those things. Micah 7, 18. Who is a God like that pardoneth iniquity? That's pretty good. And passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He retaineth not his anger forever. If you hold a grudge, guess what? You're not being godly. Talked about that this morning too, didn't we? It says, let not the sun go down on your wrath. Old George Slavin used to say, "Forgiveness by sundown." It's important to understand. Is it wrong to be angry? Sometimes not, but is it wrong to stay angry? Have a forgiving spirit. Keep short accounts. He retaineth not his anger forever. Why? Because he delighteth in mercy. Somebody who says, this is what really pleases me. To forgive. To show mercy. That's the kind of God we have. There are some people, I think their favorite verse is Psalm 97.10. Ye that love the Lord, hate evil. And they know how to hate. They have a list of things that are wrong. And they go down that list. There's somebody do this and somebody do that. And hate, 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 hate it. We are supposed to hate evil, but... There's something in our nature, it seems to be easier to hate than it is to love. Love comes first. Ye that love the Lord hate evil. And I really think that also means we should start with the fella or gal in the mirror. If I hate what I see in you, but it's the same thing that's in me, wouldn't it be good if there was a Bible verse that said, before you criticize the other person for having that speck of sawdust in your eye. Deal with that telephone pole in your own. That would make a good Bible verse, wouldn't it? Oh, that's right. There is one. Yeah, something about the speck and the beam and all of that. If you want to be like the Lord, show mercy and be glad to do it. He delighteth in mercy. That's how God is. Now, the regenerate man has the capacity to experience the mercies of God in the giving and in the receiving. We're in Micah. Look at chapter 6. I think we have something along this line posted on the hallway down, going down to the fellowship room. Micah 6, 8. You might be able to say it from memory. You might be able to say, I'm trying to activate that in my life. I really want to live by this. It's a good thing. He has shown the old man what is good and what doth the Lord require thee. This isn't a recommendation, folks. This is a requirement. I mean, you've got it too. You want to be identified as one of his. But to do justly, do the right thing. When somebody does be dirty, do I get to clobber them? Well, it also says to love mercy. You want to be like the Lord? Love mercy. Again, you mentioned old George Slavin. He told about a young preacher who came to his first church and, and there was a sweet little lady invited him over for fellowship. And she gave him a plate and that plate was dusty on the bottom but she didn't know. And she gave it to him and he was just sitting there and in the chair. When he finished, he picked up the plate and there was a ring of dust on his trousers. He didn't go, um, 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 no. He winked at her and she winked at him. And she said, I forgot to clean the bottom of the plate. I hope you can forgive me. He says, of what? Well, don't you remember? I distinctly remember forgetting that. Till she died. When did she go out? They'd shake hands and she'd give him a wink. He'd give him a wink. There wasn't anything tawdry going on there. She was just reminding him that she appreciated the fact that 
He could be gracious. How many people do you need to wink at? How many people might need to wink at you? Don't keep track of how many, but look for the opportunity to be gracious, to be merciful. And, you know, when you tell somebody, you know, so-and-so, I used to have a person that anytime somebody rubbed them the wrong way, they make a point of telling them, well, he got his act together. I really didn't mean to know that. The Lord knows about it. He knows all things. What a great God we have. When we give mercy, Jesus talked about the fact that if you don't show mercy to others, how can you expect God to be merciful to you? And you even get a blessing. It blesses you to forgive somebody. Did you know that? So I'm going to hold a grudge. I'm going to let, let them know in no uncertain terms. They hurt my feelings. And they're going to pay for that. Really? You know who really pays? You pay by holding a grudge. You know who benefits from who people make Pepto-Bismol and stuff like that? You're eating a hole in your stomach. That doesn't hurt the other person. And even if it did, you still hurt yourself. That's not too smart. Proverbs 11. I'm sorry. Chapter 28, Proverbs. Sometimes I can't even read what I type. <laughs> Guess I need better glasses. Proverbs 28, verse 13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. And did you know God shows mercy even to the unregenerate? Jesus talked about that in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5. Some of the old preachers used to refer to these as common mercies, common graces. Matthew chapter 5, verse 45. He talks about loving your enemies. That's a hard thing to do. Bless them to curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you. And persecute you. Why? I want to tell you. Read the next verse. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. You're not much of a Christian if you just keep the cards close to the vest and you figure nobody's going to hurt my feelings. Nobody's going to step on my toes. Nobody's going to tell me anything because I have arrived. You ever meet people like that? Sometimes you meet them in the mirror. For he, that is your heavenly father, maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good. Hmm. And sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. Well, Jen, did you get any rain Thursday? I need some hat. you have any heathen neighbors? Few. Did, did they get rain too? I think so. Why would God give them rain? Because it pleases Him. He's merciful. Why does God bless some of these scalawags that they have more money they know what to do with and use it for all kinds of ungodly things. However they got it, they wouldn't have been in their pocket if God had not ordained that they have it. So we don't want to play God. How are we to have mercy? Like the Lord. The psalmist says, He is plenteous in mercy. And the ninth of Nehemiah speaks of the Lord as a God ready to pardon. You ever go to the DMV and you say, oh, I got a lot of business and, and you come in, and I don't know if it's like this around here. I remember going to the DMV once and I said, this is, take a note. Oh, 75. Now calling number three, number three. I'm going to be here a while. 
The Lord doesn't tell you, take a number. Wait your turn, buddy. I'll tell you when I'm good and ready. That's not the Lord talking. Ours is a God ready to pardon. And, uh, you know, here in Isaiah 55, that chapter's got a lot of good stuff in it. There's a lot of good stuff in this Bible if we keep reading it. Isaiah 55, we looked already at verses 8 and 9. But look at the verse before that, eh? Verse 7. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. <clears throat> and let him return to the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. You know, I met some people. Well, I forgive you for that, but I don't forgive you for this. Really? That's not the way the Lord does. He abundantly pardons. It's like the grace of God. Some people think that when God gives grace, He gets at His eyedropper. Okay, that'll do you. I don't want you to get a big day. No. The Lord daily loadeth us with benefits. You got a lot going on there. Isaiah 54 8 says, He has everlasting kindness. And He says He does so according to His Word, just like we read in our text. Back up to the 33rd Psalm. This is one you've been with us for every one. You, you read this. I hope you're listening. I hope. Psalm 33. Some of our brethren would say the 33rd chapter. Well, okay. Psalm 33, the last verse. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in thee. Uh, that tells me you ought to hope a lot in the Lord. If you sell the Lord short, it shouldn't surprise us if we're not too much convinced that He's a merciful God. But He is a merciful God. He's better to us than we deserve. And He's better to us than we are to Him. Do you know that? Can you confess that? I sure can. Go back to the Sermon on the Mount again. Matthew chapter 6 this time. Because when we talk about extending mercy, an awful lot of people say, I like to read the Bible and I, I believe in systematic theology and I want to tell you what kind of God being God is. Tell you how God is this and God is that. And they've got everything down to a T when it comes to the systematic. The doctrine. Practical side, they're out to lunch. Why, hey, 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 just leave me alone there. Mind your own business there. It's interesting that many times in Paul's epistles, he starts out and gives you the doctrinal on the front, and then he gives you the practical. Some people love to talk about Romans. The first nine chapters especially. Great truth in that. But by the time you get to chapter 12, did we look at chapter 12 this morning, Brother Ken? Romans 12, 1 and 2? That gets on people's toes. Why? Because it requires something of me. We had a man come to Eastside once and his text was dealing with the fact that we're complete in the Lord. Because that means you don't have to do anything. God's done it all. And that sounds good to a lot of people. I like the doctrines of election and predestination. I love to hear about the sovereignty of God. They don't like to hear too much about the responsibility of man. Let God do it all. I don't have to do anything. Well, you know, there are an awful lot of verses that say what we're supposed to do. People forget that. Matthew 6, look at verses 14 and 15. <clears throat> because the Lord has given and instructed, we call this the Lord's Prayer, but really it's the prayer He gave us as a sample, an example. And then He says, If ye forgive men their trespasses, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. Alright, but the opposite is also true. You're going to hold a grudge you know, we got camp next week. I remember, I guess I was probably Ian or Evan's age. 
there was a boy, uh, A had really offended B. And uh, when B came to him to let him know that his feelings had been hurt, A said, well, would you forgive me? And the other boy says, I don't know if I'm ready to forgive you or not. Where's scripture for that? You want to be like the Lord? Ready to pardon. To delight in mercy. So, just as our Heavenly Father is quick to forgive, to show mercy to us, we ought to be falling all over ourselves to say, let me apologize. Let me, I, I want to deal with that right here, right now. I want any grass growing on my feet about that one. Verse 15, if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. You're going to hold a grudge? You say, I don't know if I'm going to forgive you or not. What if God said that to or about you or me? We'd be in a bad way, wouldn't we? We just expect Him to forgive us. We're not going to be forgiving of others? <clears throat> Marcia knows of whom I speak. An inmate came to me once and he said, you know, chapter. So and so. <clears throat> You'd think he committed the unpardonable sin. I just can't forgive him for what he did. And uh, when it finally came out, it, to me, it wasn't much of anything. But I said, What is the Lord forgiving you for? He said, Well, a lot of stuff. Honestly, what he did against you, even if it was deliberate, I'm not sure it was, but assuming it was deliberate, that was nothing compared to what you did against the Lord. Has the Lord forgiven you? Uh, uh, and we looked at the scripture. Oh, 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 yeah, man. He's forgiven me. An awful lot of stuff. He'd done some naughty stuff. He wasn't in prison for singing too loud. <laughs> I haven't bumped into too many that really were. They had some bumps that his head. Anyway. <clears throat> He said, well, yeah, what I did was even worse than what this guy did against me. If the Lord can and did forgive you, how dare you hold a grudge? Well, I'll pray about it. Don't just pray about it. Act on it. Obey the Lord. And he came to me later and he says, you know, I didn't like that when you told me that. No, it doesn't go down too smooth when we're exhorted from the Word. But the same Word that touches you touches me. And if I get out of line, if I'm not according to this book, you know, I'm a Christian first. Did you know that? I'm honored to preach. I'm honored to be your pastor. But before either of those, I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to think like it. I'm supposed to walk and talk like it. And if you have reason to talk to me, please don't shout me down from the floor, but... Uh, I have blind spots. I sure do. If you doubt it, ask my wife. She'll tell you. Lots of blind spots. But Marcia, I'm not calling you a liar. I just don't remember. Yeah, that's the way it was. Okay, I take your word for it. I know you wouldn't lie to me. Now, if she ever does, well, it's on her. It's, it's, it's not on me. <clears throat> when are we to show mercy? Well, how often does the Lord get you some mercy going on? Go with me, please, to the little book of Lamentations. You might call it the P.S. to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. When well, you're reading along and somebody talks about a Jeremiah, that means they're sad about something. Something's really dogging them and they're saying something about it. We have a hint based on this. I'll bet you can figure out which one it is. Lamentations 3. 22 and 23. You know why you are alive today? Because God is merciful. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Wow. Because His compassions fail not. That matches what we've been talking about already, doesn't it? But what else does it say about His mercies? They are new every morning. Now, I don't know about you fellas, 
that sometimes we'll have a meal and we can't put it all away at one dinner. And I'll say, what's for lunch? You don't mind leftovers? You mean for last night? Not at all. Bring it on. But even though we might be okay with leftovers, God's not okay with giving us leftover mercies. They're new every morning. Personalized. He had you in mind when he showed his hand and expressed his heart. Does that encourage you? It sure encourages me. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. You can't always count on a friend. You can't always count on a family member. You can't always count on a fellow worker. But you can always count on the Lord. And one of those things is that he shall be merciful. So important that we're merciful. And the 18th of Matthew, you know, Peter's been listening and the wheels are turning. And in the 18th of Matthew, he goes to Jesus and he said, you keep talking about forgiving people. Uh, how far are we supposed to take this thing? I told Marsha, I know a preacher who tried to get out of a situation once and, and another preacher counseled with him. And, and the other preacher said, well, you know, we need to let love abide here. And the preacher said, sometimes we emphasize love too much. What? We make a big deal about love? Love covers a multitude of sins. If you love somebody, you bite your tongue sometimes. If you love somebody, you find a constructive way to let them know. You don't start with saying, why well, you idiot. No. Speak the truth. In love. That makes another good Bible. Oh, that's right. That's in there too, isn't it? But Peter asked the Lord, you know, this forgiveness stuff, uh, how many times? You know, we say seven's the perfect number. Uh, can I stop at seven times? Okay. <clears throat> the last time it was number six, this is number seven. Okay, buddy, no more forgiveness. And the Lord said, how about 70 times 7? I had a student. He had a good heart, but it wasn't too good in math. He said, so that's 470 times, right? Well, it's a bunch, isn't it? I was going to say, no, it's 490. Now, somebody here comes, you know, I've forgiven you 488 times already. You only got two to go. Really? I really think what the Lord meant was, you don't keep track. If somebody has messed with you and messed with you, I know Jacob when when he was frustrated and, and Laban had pulled a lot of stunts. And he finally told his two brides, who were both daughters of Laban, Your father has chased my wages ten times. Well, maybe he wasn't in the right mind when he said that, but he did say it. Sometimes we get in the flesh. Sometimes we want to keep track. He hurt my feelings. He didn't do this. He, you know, I'm always careful when having announcements because I'm bound to give at least somebody else. And then somebody, no, defend it. You didn't mention that my great uncle's big toe was hurting. Sorry, I didn't know. Well, you're supposed to know. You're a preacher. I do not have ESP. I am not clairvoyant. I don't have a capacity unless you tell me. It says in the book of James, if anyone is, if they're laid up, call for the elders of the church. Now if you call me and say, listen, I've got such and such a complication. I sure like a prayer or a visit. If I would dare to say, that's your problem. We all got problems. Click. Not the way to go. Not even a Christian way to go let alone a preacher or a pastor. So we need to be reminded of that. We always need mercy. And so that leads me to the last thought. Why we ought to have and show mercy. Now after Lamentations, we have a few other prophets. We get to a fellow, Daniel. You still planning to talk about Daniel? 
ีบีนะยังไงไปจำนะเอาเดี๋ยวไม่ได้ติดเดี๋ยวต้อ o ไปเดี๋ยวต้องไปเดี๋ยวต้องไปเดี๋ยวต้องไปเดี๋ยวต้องไปเดี๋ยวต้องไปเดี๋ยวต้อ Open thine eyes and behold our desolations, and the city which is called by thy name. But we do not present our supplications before thee for our righteousnesses, but for thy great mercies. Don't ever get down to your knees. Now, Lord, I've been a good boy. I've been a good girl, and you owe me. No, you and I don't get ourselves in a position where God owes us. We owe him everything, life and breath and all things. Daniel had the right understanding there. The Lord has already gone on record. We follow His lead. Real quick, if you look at me in Luke chapter six, verse thirty-six. Be therefore merciful, or oh, merciful. I'm as merciful as Joe over there, or Sally Sue over there. Okay, are you as merciful as God is merciful? Well, uh, 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 read the rest of the verse. Be therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. That sets the bar pretty high, doesn't it? We need to understand. And you know, I have learned that not everybody will have the same understanding as you. Not everybody. Have the same desires as you. Just keep being purposed. Be determined to do the right thing as long as well as is humanly possible. If somebody else used to work with a guy, every time he'd do something, he'd say, "That's good enough for government work. I'm not working for the government. I'm working for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I want to be pleasing in His sight." So that's important. We want to follow the lead of the Lord. You know, there's a prophet who is—we call him grumpy today. His name was Jonah. Oh yeah, he he got swallowed by a whale. He got spewed up. He went and preached, and the people rejoiced. <coughs> that should make the preacher happy. But you read the fourth chapter, and God showed mercy. You read that fourth chapter. Jonah says, "I knew that if I went and preached, you just might be merciful to those folks." Uh, that bugged him. We should rejoice if there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repents. That should mean a lot more than I got a second piece of pie for dessert, or my team won in the championship, or something else. That should be our great cause of rejoicing. Somebody says, "I've been born again." Nothing would thrill me more than to have somebody say, "I believe the Lord has saved my soul." Fantastic! That is great. And sometimes people put an awful lot of emphasis on anything and everything else. Not the way to go. So follow the Lord's lead. Don't be like old Jonah. Titus 3.5 says, "Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us." It's not because you developed an ability or impressed some angel or something like that. Nope, nope, not at all. We talked about Romans 12, <clears throat> and I'm so glad for this passage. And when Brother Kenny turned it, oh, he's going to steal some of my thunder. He's going to say what I was going to say this afternoon. The Lord willing. Well, thank you, Brother Kenny, for saving me a little bit. The first part of part of chapter twelve, verse one. <clears throat> I beseech you, therefore, brethren. He's not shaming them. He's not scolding them. He says, "You know, it'd be a good thing." He talks about presenting your body. Of Living sacrifice. You know what days of the week that means? 
If it ends in a Y, that's a day. You represent the Lord Christ. And he says wonderful things there in verse 1 and 2. But did you notice the basis of his beseeching, his commending Christ to us? I beseech you therefore by the mercies of God. Have mercy. He does. He doesn't drop the ball when it comes to mercy. <clears throat> We've received mercy and we're passed it on. It's in our best interests. I had this in my mind when I said something just a little bit ago, but in Matthew chapter 5, going back to the Sermon on the Mount, verse 7 says, Blessed are the merciful. Why should I be merciful? For they shall obtain mercy. How's the way going around? The world calls that karma. But God says, no, that's the way I operate. If you're merciful to other people, pay attention and you'll notice that others will be merciful with you. That's not just a lucky break. No such thing as that. But it's a realization. God keeps pretty good books, you know. Think of your own need for mercy. James talks about that. And when we are merciful, we provide an encouraging example to others. And in that way, we help ourselves. This is another one. You know, when you have a bunch of scriptures, sometimes they kind of run together when you're in the process of preaching. That's how I could get away with saying, you know, aren't we glad that Samson died for our sins? I didn't mean to say that, but I did say that. <clears throat> Thankfully, kind people understood where I was coming from. This is the one in Proverbs 11, verse 17. You ought to be merciful. What's in it for me? It'll, you'll be better off for it. Proverbs 11, 17. The merciful man doeth good to his own soul. You know, if you're not your own worst critic, somebody else will be. But if you're not, humanly speaking, your own best friend, somebody else will be. The merciful man doeth good to his own soul. When you are merciful, when you are forgiving to others, you'll feel good about it. At least if you're a saved person. If you're some sinner and you have the attitude, well, why, why, why should I? Twice Paul talks to the Philippians and the Colossians. He says, put on bowels of mercies. That sounds kind of gross right after lunch, I know, but we should be consumed with doing the right thing, looking for an opportunity to be merciful. You almost wish that people would do you dirty so they come back and apologize and you can be like Christ. You know, some people, I want to be like Christ. I want to be able to go fire down from the sky. <clears throat> I told you about the little fellow, we were having a Bible class and we talked about some people who did some not so nice things. And the little fellow said, you think Jesus is going to turn them into a toad? No, the Lord doesn't work that way. Romans 11. <clears throat> Look at me please. We'll close with this. Romans 11, 30-32. Paul is writing some people who have been some real stinkers. They have been out and out sinners. They knew it and Paul knew it. Of course, the Lord knows it. For as ye time past have not believed God, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief, even so have these also now not believed. You got an unregenerate in your family, in your circle of friends, in your workstation, in your neighborhood. Don't go, who? You're a sinner. You're no good. Really? Is that, is that how people did you? Hopefully not. And if so, shame on them. But hopefully you've been enlightened. Even so have these also now not believed that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy. Is God sovereign? Of course He is. Does He use means? Of course He does. God can use your smile. 
God can use your word of encouragement. When I see these little kiddos, I put out my hand and say, I see you smile. I see you smile. If you smile, you'll feel better about things. You don't smile. You want to be grumpy, grumpy? And Marcia's gone, but she'll know who I'm thinking of. I was a lady in a bank. I walked in one day and said, Well, are you Snow White today? She said, Now I feel like one of the seven dwarfs. And I almost asked her which one. But she followed in. I feel like grumpy. <clears throat> I, I hear you. Pass it on. I don't want to pass that on. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief, that he might have mercy upon all. If you wait for other people to get their act together, you might have a long, frustrating wait. If you wait till you got your act all together, you might have a long wait, and they might have a long wait with you. And so we ought, as it says in verse 10, to ask the Lord, create in me a clean heart, O God. And the rest of that verse says, and renew a right spirit within me. If you get your jaw, then you're just as mean as a snake, and you have no mercy toward anybody, get over it. You want the counsel of Scripture? You want to know what the Lord, you should ask the Lord to do? to do the right spirit in me. And so, as she was singing that song, you come back and as you close it up, and renew the right spirit within those people, because they were mean to me, no. And renew the right spirit within me. Let's stand for prayer.